This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hello and welcome to MS Momentum, the radio show for people with MS, their family, whānau and support teams. And this week's very special radio star is N, transport engineer and road safety person from the DCC. Hello N, welcome and thanks for coming in today. Hi, good to be here. <laughs> different surroundings. It is a different surrounding, isn't it? Now, Dunedin and Moscow are areas that are trickier to navigate for people with different mobility levels. There always seems to be work being done to, the, to increase access to all areas that are pedestrian. And we had a conversation about, about the now-replaced concrete planter boxes and that they are a trial for people to cross in Mosgill. I noticed when I was out there the other day that actually that's much more evident now because you've got the bollards and the... Yeah, it's a bit of an evolving project as... As we gather the feedback from what's happened, uh, some of the residents were unhappy with how things were set up and the planter boxes and things, so we've taken the planter boxes away, yep. but we've left the main infrastructure there. So uh, the the aim of the project is to improve pedestrian access and safety by narrowing some of the intersections down because they're, they're really wide in places out there. <laughs> <So> they are, <laughs> yes. They can take you a long time to cross, so yeah, we're trying to narrow them down and slow the traffic down, just make it easier for uh, pedestrians in general, but it started with a school project, but it is for everyone. They, um, because I talked to a lot of a lot of my clients are in various forms of transport, and they didn't know that they, those spaces were easy ease of access and ramps to get up and down the road. So they weren't using them for that. But I've made them tried to make <laughs> them more aware, but because now they're more visible because the cursed planter boxes have gone. Yeah, it's hard to get the word out to everyone. I yeah, mean, it is. Even though we, we put it on our social media, it's on yeah. our website and everything, but then we've got no way directly of contacting everybody, if you oh, like. No, so it, it's really hard, and it's kind of word of mouth and smaller organisations. It takes a while for the word to get around and what they're for, and, you know, it's, oh, okay. it, it's, just... it's a tricky one to, to try and get everyone involved. It is. I'm just thinking that I go to a Moscow resource group. That might be a good place for you to come along and talk to talk to them about that. Yeah. Because we we do have discussions about the school the school planning one and things like that. Okay. So um, there seems to be more busy streets now. I mean, everybody everywhere is getting bigger, and in Moscow the streets are. I notice when you cross the button to get across that it takes people a lot can take people longer than the little green man is there for to get across those streets and because the main road is also a state highway there's quite a lot of trucks and traffic yes um that is one of the balances we've got to strike is between we've got to be able to get the traffic through but mm. you've got to be able to have enough time for the pedestrians to get across as well so um, we set the phasing of the lights to allow that right but the slower pedestrian might struggle but it all depends on how fast you can walk really obviously on how long that green man is useful for you so um, it might need some adjustment yeah because i think um people in wheelchairs or people with sticks and walkers generally take longer than the rest of us and even if you're in an electric wheelchair that can still take longer than than a person walking um that set of lights is actually under NZTA, so but I think we probably have input in how they work, you know, the timing wise and things, and that might change as the um, the Moscow pool when that is built. Yes, because there'll be another set of signals that go along just down by the bridge. 
where the new entrance to the pool will come out. Oh, okay. So there's going to be more traffic sure lights in Mosgiel. Yeah, there will be another set, yeah. It'll <laughs> throw people knowing, won't it? So and I, and I think part of that upgrade is also to look at the factory Gordon Road intersection, the signals there. So yep. um, that's one, that's things the might one. change in the near future anyway. That's the one I was thinking of because there's a few to get access from one side of Gordon Road to the other, there's one pedestrian crossing two pedestrian crossings, one at the lights and one further down. Yeah. Um, and they seem to be the only ones. In it. And, qu- and going up into that block where the warehouse and near the library and that, that's quite tricky to get around as well. Yeah. Um, so I've asked a few clients if they had any questions for you. So one was, do you intend to have heading drop crosses on all streets? Now, the question was posed by somebody who knows about building and architecture, and I don't. So, so what is a drop cross? A drop cross is where we lower the curb, usually on a corner, yep. uh, on an intersection. So that's if somebody's going straight along the road, then we drop the curb both sides of the side road. So then you can carry on along the main route. Right. Um, we've got a lot of historical crossings where we, for some reason, years ago, they only used to do one side. Um, we'd leave the <laughs> other side. I can't right. explain that. That no. was kind of just crazy kind of thinking, but that's the way they used to do it. Now, we haven't ch- done done uh, crossings like that now for since I've been at council, which is about six years. So we do both sides now whenever we do any curb replacements or yep. anything like that, just so you don't get those blockages in the – the way of people trying to get through on a wheelchair or whatever, because some of them, like I said earlier, the, a lot of our intersections are really wide, and yes. you don't always know until you're halfway across the road that the crossing on the other side is not useful. Yeah, <laughs> passable so or whatever. So there's been some work down at on um, the Prince um, down at Cargill's Corner. There was been quite a lot of work done to that, so that it's wheelchair accessible for people to get across. Yes. So is that liable to happen at all? We won't be able to do all just because of the cost. Um, the way we've approached it is through the council, we've got a, something called the Strategic Pedestrian Network, which is a key access route to the whole city, Yeah, which is roughly every two or th- second or third block, something like that. So if you can get to that key access route, then you should be able to get reasonable access to most of the city. Um, right. It's kind of based on... Existing infrastructure, uh, the busier streets, because most of the busy streets are reasonably accessible. Mm. There will be places, but I mean, that's down to individual ability as well. So, yeah. um, But then if you can get to that key route, you should even be able to get right into the CBD eventually. Well, we're not, <laughs> we're not quite there yet, but we're trying to get those key routes done first, and then we can kind of do the infill at a later date. Okay, because that was a, a question we had in, in another meeting that we were at was a, a client had asked me what was the best way for her to get into town from South Dunedin on a scooter, and I had no clue. Yeah. So, and I will talk to John Marable about that, but it would be helpful if people actually told me. Yeah. It's um, all you listeners out there, you can tell me <laughs> how you get into town if you're on a scooter. The long term goal would be to somehow map and have it accessed by the users as to how suitable it is and if there's problem areas. And sometimes we can do a a fairly simple fix, even under a maintenance contract or something. It doesn't need to be a a construction um, way of doing it, if you like, because that just tends to be more long-term, 
more design work. Yeah. But if it's something that's easily fixed quite quickly with like a cutting the curb off with a angle grinder or something like that, then we can do that reasonably quick. Mm. And that can make all the difference to somebody in a wheelchair. Yeah, it can. And I mean, uh, the, uh, we are in having an ageing population yeah. and um, and people are living for longer with disability yeah. currently. So, I mean, that's I think that's going to be a bigger issue, and particularly in Mosgiel where there seems to be quite a lot of older people living. Yeah. And also Mosgiel's getting very big now. Um, even though it's technically flat, it's not. No, if, when you look closely, there's a lot of obstacles that are in the way mm. that um, an able-bodied person wouldn't necessarily notice. But I've, I've been working in this kind of sector now for two or three years, putting the program together and everything. Okay. So um, we are aware of the issues. Uh, fortunately, it just takes time and money to, to correct everything. So so this, so you have... You've been with the DCC for six years? Thereabouts, yeah. On this project? No, yeah. not on this project. Um, partially. I started uh, part-time when I initially started. So this was one of my <laughs> earlier projects to get started as a, a new graduate. So. Oh, okay. Oh, a new graduate. But, uh, of, yeah, and I've, of, I've just carried it on. Of engineering? Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Good to know. So we're gonna, we've are gonna we talked about that. And so access on all streets has been worked at long term. Now we're quickly, rapidly approaching the... So you can listen to this in other podcasts on oar.org.nz. And Anne's musical choice for the show is Shania Twain. That don't impress me much. So why did you choose this piece, in? I just like her music, really. She's quite sort of um, easygoing and easy listening, so it's something I have on the car quite often. So I have quite a trek into town every day, so I listen to a fair bit of music, and this is always... Happy go lucky kind of tunes. <laughs> it is. Okay. I've known a few guys who thought they were pretty smart, but you've got being right down to an art. You think you're a genius, you drive me up the wall. You're a regular original, I know it all. So you got a car that don't impress me much. So you got the moves, but how you got the touch? Now don't get me wrong, yeah, I think you're all right. But that won't keep me warm in the middle of the night. That don't impress me much. Oh, no, you think you're cool, but how you got the touch? Now, now, don't get me wrong, yeah, I think you're all right. But that That was Shania Twain. That don't impress me much. Apparently, it's only twenty years old. Uh, that was musical choice of N, a DCC engineer specialist in transport and roading. So, I've got some other questions today for you, N, from clients, and one of them you already answered about accessible spots. 
um, and driveway access and it was a question of why the accessible ramps on one side of the road but not the other. So, And you just touched on that briefly. But I wonder if that's because there's driveway access on the other side of the road? Oh, we don't tend to. Um, maybe that was an approach years ago, but now we, we pair them up because it's... Um, the, the issue we have with using driveways, not only because of the vehicles, but we try to put in tactile pavers wherever we put in crossing points for the visually impaired. Yeah. Uh, if you put them on driveways, especially if we use the plastic studs, uh, they tend to shear off with the cars driving over them. Oh, right, okay. And, and of course, you've just got that whole problem with cars coming in and out of driveways and people not seeing them and things like that. So we try to put the crossing points where they're going to be used, because the, one of the terms we use is um, desire lines, and that's where people want to cross. So even if oh, we right. put a crossing point far away from where they want to go, people just won't use it. They'll just walk across the road wherever anyway. So we, we try to line things up as best we can, and then we, we take the crossing point away from driveways and things. And then when you're at an intersection, uh, you would have seen that some of the build-outs that we do the curb extensions and the, the basis of them is they, they twofold, really. It, it slows the cars down as they turn off the road, yeah. but it also brings pedestrians out further into the street so they can see past parked cars. And then, of course, they've got less crossing distance to get across to the other side of the road. So ah. um, it, it all works to calm traffic and lessen the crossing distance, which is safe for the pedestrians. Okay, yeah, no, that make, now that I thought about it, we did, that happens quite a lot, but it didn't occur to me that was happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the drop crossings themselves, we pair them up so you've got them, you can get on and off the curb wherever we, we do the work now. Mm. I have I have one particular street in mind where, where work like that needs to be done. Uh, I'll talk to you about that off here because I think I've already harassed you about it and I will harass you again, don't worry, about yep. that particular street. <laughs> so... So the transport plan that's currently in place, it will address the changes that may happen to the transport system during the build of the new hospital, but that's uh, not a local road as yet, or possibly no, might never be a local road. I mean, there's still a lot of decisions to be made about the hospital build. Um, it hasn't filtered down to my level yet exactly how how that kind of thing is going to work. I mean, it, it will definitely be catered for you know yep. that we'll have to maintain access to to everything so um it'll be built into the the whole traffic management plan of how the build of the hospital goes and whatever the streets closed off or footpaths like there is now there's uh on the name of the road the one that runs right past the old cadbury's now i mean you can't go walk down one side of the footpath because it's been closed off with fencing and everything, so you, you have to cross over. But, I mean, those crossings are already there, so they're signalised, so they're... They're not barn stances, though, are they? Not no, yet? Not, no, not they're not. Yet, no. Um, or well, if they'll ever be. But that's, I mean, with the new hospital build, with the DCC transport plan and the hospital build plan, which is, I don't know, how long we're looking at for the hospital, quite a wee while yet. Yeah. So are the DCC going to have to do a whole new roading plan just to sort the hospital out and the access points and things like that. So on the long 10-year, 20-year plan, that'll yeah. have to be taken into consideration, won't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because um, we've, we've got existing infrastructure at places like St Andrew Street Car Park, something like that will yeah. need to be, because, I mean, obviously you've got people walking from down there, commuters and uh, already, so 
that link will have to be maintained somehow. Yes. Uh, how exactly how that will happen, I don't know yet. But there are other streets that will change as well. Um, streets like Falloor Street will need to be upgraded to some extent. Um, maybe not so much for pedestrians because it, you'll still have George Street because you'll need obviously need access to the shops. Yeah. But the whole George Street project is likely to be happening somewhere around the same time as the build for the hospital. So well, I'm exactly. going to show my ignorance. What is the George Street project? Uh, that's uh, the underground services need replacing. Oh, so joy and happiness. It's yeah, going to be water a mains, very, very stormwater, sewerage. Uh, the plan is in some capacity to replace everything at the same time. But while we're sticking up the street, then... You might as well. If just, you're going to dig it up for that, you might as well, and you'll have to get some archaeological teams in there as well. Yeah, uh, yes, it's, it's going to be a big project when that one starts, but, I mean, it'll, it'll have to happen at some point. Um, but, it's not been decided yet exactly what's going to happen, but it will. <laughs> that's going to be, I'm just thinking, quite a lot of those businesses along there, there's only access on the main street, unless they're in a mall and there's a reverse actress at the back. Yeah, um, most of the work, I would imagine, would have to take place down the middle, middle of the street because obviously those businesses are, are going to want to stay open and still have their customers, etc. So, so it would be a pedestrian-only access for a wee while, one would hope. Um, well, I've no idea how they would manage to do any of that. Um, parts of it would, I would imagine, you'd have to have pedestrians. It's hard to cope with everything, but I mean, that will want to come under with the traffic management plan for it. And, there's yeah, a just lot accessibility happening for Dunedin is, in the near future, isn't there? Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on at the moment behind the scenes. So yeah. there's a lot that hasn't been decided, but I would say over the next few months, years, there's <laughs> a lot of decisions will be made and things will be all go. It will be, won't it? So that's going to, oh, the new build and then the, the George Street plan as well. So is, that's going to cover that. Is there a long-term plan regarding accessible streets in Mosgiel and Dunedin? So yes, short yeah. answer is yes. So how can our community help with figuring out which streets are the most accessible now and which streets need to be the most accessible in the future? Oh, well, DCC needs to be made aware of the issues that people are having in their community and we... We assess, but that's coming from my point of view. You know, I, I can't speak for everyone, obviously. So, so, so you need just, people to come in and, and talk to you. Yes, yeah, well, yeah, they can just contact our customer services or through the website, or it doesn't matter how they make contact. It all comes through to myself or one of my colleagues in the end, and uh, we, we record it. Yeah, unfortunately, you might not see any change for quite considerable time. But um, well, well, there's a lot going on, isn't there? I mean, there's a lot with the. The George Street stuff and the new hospital build, and and inevitably the question comes up about parking. I just think we should ban students from having cars on there and sort out a whole lot of issues. Yeah, um, <laughs> not very popular thought, I'm sure. But so you, what you actually need is people to ring in and say this is an issue on this street, and not complaining as such, but actually giving you access to information about where the best routes are. And a lot people, can, clients can ring me and tell me, because that actually would be quite useful if we had. Uh, where do you run? Where do you go from? Like getting to the hospital now. That I know people from Mosgiel will get buses in, yeah, because it's easy. No parking. They can go to the the dental school and the hospital with ease of access. And but with the new hospital build, that'll that'll change accessibility and. 
To a certain extent, I think that the hospital build itself will probably just restrict access around those local streets. I mean, the, you'll still be able to access the main city centre and, and everything else. Um, but we should probably mention that we've been putting in extra mobility parking spaces as the bus services have been moved off George Street. A lot of the parking, the old bus stops have been converted to mobility parking. So that's a, a gain that is a gain. There is a slight problem, which I hear about probably a lot more than you do, <laughs> is that um, if you're if you're in a, a disability park and then you get out of it, you have to actually go along to the pedestrian crossing if you're in yep. a wheelchair or or any form of mobility thing to get back onto the street. Yeah. So a little wedge or curb things so people can actually get up because I've got a few clients, well, I've got a couple yep. of clients who still drive and um, one in particular in a wheelchair who's um, can't get up on the street because she's in a wheelchair and she drives yep. in a wheelchair so it's an yeah. issue. That was one of the kind of, um, was it, we didn't put them, they're not a trial as such but we wanted to make sure the spaces are actually in the right place before we go to the cost of installing the drop curbs. Yeah. So as an interim measure, we've actually ordered some steel ramps because we use, sometimes use the plastic ramps, but they don't stand up to being driven on, unfortunately. No, and, and in a parking space, of course, the, the, the people do actually drive over them sometimes. So the, the, the old the plastic ones that are temporary don't stand up to that sort of um, abuse very much. So we've ordered some steel ones, or they might actually be aluminium, but they're much stronger. And we've got one that we've had on trial down at the MSD building that's been there since before Christmas, I believe. Is it the new MSD down? Yeah, down on Bond Street, the ramp's actually on down at the back door. Okay. Uh, we put in a couple of extra mobility parking spaces down there. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get much feedback on the ramp because it was a we put it as there as a trial just to see what people thought. But um, we put very very little feedback on it. I've been down there and asked a few people that have been using it, and they've, oh, okay. they've all thought it was okay and uh, there wasn't any issues with it. But actual through our uh, websites or callback system or anything like that, we, we've not had much back at all. So. It'd be good to know what people think about that, and that would be a that was the prototype of the others that we'll will install in George Street. Oh, okay. I, d- I haven't heard anyone mention any anything about disability parks down near MSD. Okay. So that's interesting. Oh, yeah, they've been in probably well, I think November, October, November time. I think we might have put those in. Oh, okay. Because I can um, I can access some information for you if you want. You take okay, a survey, yeah. and I can chuck that out to my clients. Yep, and be tell them to do it, <laughs> and they probably won't listen to me. But tell them to do it anyway. Um, so the, those parking spaces on George Street, it, it is it's an interim measure just to get the some some idea of level of usage, whether we've got yep. the number of mobility parking spaces about right. I mean, we can't obviously cater for everybody's needs but as long as they're sort of fairly central for most people then that's about as good as we can do really for the for the central city there would just be more parks spread throughout the city and people might have to move from one to another if it's not in a convenient place but but have, actually having a mobility park is quite a big thing and the, yeah. one of the other issues that i come across quite frequently for people with mobility parks is actually 
and I see it on cars all the time, is that you'll have someone with a mobility van perhaps or um, wheelchair access and they need three metres at the back of them yeah. for the ramps and things. So that's a that's a big car park. Yeah, that's one of the issues we have in, in town is just we just don't have the space <laughs> no. to be able to to get some of these bigger vehicles in. <laughs> this is not a lot of parking spaces in George Street anyway, so it's a bit of a challenge to, to balance it all up. And actually, and another thing is getting the, the where there are disability car parks, like I'm thinking about the one in the library, there's two under the library, and um, one of them, if you've got a wheelchair on a hoist, you can't use. Okay. I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> because you can't take your wheel, you can't take the hoist down um, because yeah. it's got a concrete beam above it. Okay. So yeah. even though it's a yeah. disability park, yeah. it's still not fully accessible. Yeah. Um. The one beside it's fine, I think, but that yeah. So these those because, as I said before, you know, people are living for longer with disabilities and um, and ageing. We're, we're going to live for a long time, yay. yeah. So you know, pe- more people are going to be using wheelchairs probably for transport. And I know um, driving Miss Daisy is a pretty good service that's out there that does that. But they yeah. also, when they drop people off, need quite a considerable bit at the back. We went went somewhere and a client was coming out and she, they had seat belts around the back of the the base of the wheelchair to lower them back out on a ramp. Yeah. And they did it outside Toitu, so they had heaps of space to do it. But if they were in town, they wouldn't be able to do that. No, I, I think I'm under the George Street reconstruction, the type of thing that we would put in there is where there's um, – if the – I suspect the long-term plan will be that there won't be any curbs through George Street. It will be all oh, okay. like one level surface and you'll have like indented parking bays or something like that or that are marked or different colour bricks or something like that yeah. that will define them. And then that any hoist or anything will drop down at street level and oh, that would be there brilliant. won't be any issues. That That's yeah. what I would imagine the, the, the long-term solution will be. Because having but, the, having, even having the car parks painted blue for disability car parks is actually great. Yeah, they're, really they're a lot good. more obvious, and yep. it's and obviously it's more obvious if people's abusing the space as well. <laughs> so um, it does happen a wee bit, yes, but not as does. often. I think, like I know the the car park outside Otago, um, Otago, Dunedin Community House, that that's a good access, a good park. Yeah, um, because it's reasonably accessible to everywhere else. But then there's also you know supermarket parking. People can park in. Um, I'm not sure if there's any disabled parking in the supermarkets, and I know that's not your remit, so I won't worry about that, but I may be ringing some... Oh, no, there is. Yeah, there should be. Um, I think under the building standards, there's there's a ratio that maybe one mobility space per 50 standard parks, something like that, I think. They're not very... Either not very wide or not very long. So that, you know, I'm thinking of the ones that... At Pack and Slave, they're wider, although I've had someone say they drove in and then someone parked on the little yellow, not parky spots beside them, yeah. and so they couldn't get out of the yeah. vehicle. Yeah. So, mm, um, technically speaking, um, we're the road controlling authority for the public roads, but somewhere like the Pack and Save or the Warehouse Car Parks, no, that kind they're of They're private, aren't they? They're private and they are the, the road controlling authority, so um, they're, they're the, the person. Road controlling authorities. It's a yeah. term I've never heard before. So that's and that's DCC is around town. Um, like any, like I said, they're like the pack and safe car park. A pack and safe would be the road controlling authority because oh, it's okay. there. So they're responsible. Moana Pool 
would be well, under pools, but the ARDCC, but it's still under the pools. They do have good disability parking there, though, I've been told. Okay. <laughs> they do have good disability parking. I get to hear the good and the bad. Yeah, I believe, yeah they're uh, right outside the front door. <laughs> yep. And, that, and that's very useful yep. for certain people. Okay, so this has been MS Momentum with Valerie and special radio guest, N from the DCC and N. I didn't actually chuck you very many curly questions, so you're very lucky. <laughs> oh, thank you. Because I was tempted to, but I won't. <laughs> so thank you very much for that. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a fabulous day. The Otago Multiple Sclerosis Society aims to empower people with multiple sclerosis and their families by providing them with information and skills to participate actively in the community in ways that are meaningful to them. MSOtago.org.nz or give us a call toll-free on on 0508 MS Otago. That's 0508 6768 246. Otago Multiple Sclerosis Society working for the people of Otago. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.